crew. Um, we have a special guest this morning. He was called in off of the bench yesterday afternoon. Um, Pastor Allen is joining us this morning, so let's give him a hand. And I know a little bit about what he's going to share, but he's got a wonderful message for us. So we'll turn it over to him. Thank you. Thank you, Mitch. Hey, good to see you, Cornerstone. Uh, welcome. And uh, I, it's, a, it's a privilege to be here. It always is. I've gotten to speak here a couple times, this third time, and it's always such a privilege to uh, be here. And thank you for the invitation, whoever that was, Mitch, if it was you, Kelly, whoever it was, thank you very much. Hey, um, uh, it was... Mitch came up to me and he says, well, I'm going to go off script and said, do you think that bothers me? I said, no. He said, no, no. And uh, I, I really uh, appreciate your worship team. And Hunter, I, I, I've said this about you on several occasions, but I think to you as well as other people, one of the things I really appreciate about you is that you do. You just want to be in the presence of God. And uh, that is so, so important. And Kevin, I don't know where you're at. Uh, I can't see you all out there um, but um, uh, with the lights. But uh, thank you for that testimony. Wasn't that powerful? What a great testimony. God wants to go way beyond uh, anything. Um, he just wants to go way beyond any of the limitations. He'll go right beyond those. So, uh, Thank you again very much. Um, Pastor Sean and Lisa are uh, in um, Reading. They're at a conference with Bethel. They've been there with, um, trying to think, Randy Clark, I think it is, for their healing school. So uh, the thing that I want to pray for them is that, uh, number one, they'd go there and get a deposit, but they'd also get a deposit to bring back here. But the other thing is that they'd be ministered to in, in, in those ways. A gentleman came up to me, and he said, uh, you know, I'm contending and, uh, for uh, Pastor Sean for his complete healing. And how many would agree with that? We want to see his complete healing. Um, so... Um, let me begin by just praying and then we'll go from there, okay? Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you that you are a good God. Father, you are not the God who makes us sick, not the one who injures us. You are the God who heals us. You are Jehovah Rapha. So I pray for Pastor Sean and Lisa that they'd receive a deposit from you to bring back here and that you would minister to them as well as in that place. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Father, help me today. I pray that you'd anoint me in Jesus' name. I pray it. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, God is a good God. Isn't he a good God? Uh, my name is Alan Cook. Um, my wife, Carol, is right over there. And uh, I sat down by her. I was here earlier, and I sat down by her. And I think it, it, I told her, hey, we match today. And I think that was one of her fashion uh, fears, nightmares, when she and I matched. We both had blue jeans, black shoes, and a black top on. So uh, that was a, a fearful thing for her. But uh, anyway, uh, we were pastors for 39 and a half years. 
uh, in, uh, in the area. And now we have Cook Ministries as well as Carol. She has a ministry called Children on the Front Line where she trains people to minister to the kids, ministers to kids. And one of the big things she does is that she... Um, uh, combats, helps combat human trafficking, trafficking, especially in Cambodia. But uh, we were pastors for 39 and a half years, and somebody might ask, why in the world didn't you just gut it out and make it to 40? Well, because God spoke a prophetic word. He gave a prophetic dream, and we knew it was time to turn over the reins of the church that I'd founded and pastored and, and turn it over to my son-in-law. And uh, we were, this was in 2019, and we were just debating. We, it was going to be in September, because that was when the church was 35 years old. That's when I, I was going to be 65. Different things were going on. And so we were going to do it in September. And we were looking at dates, and we couldn't do it the first week, couldn't do it the second week. And we indiscriminately said, ah, we'll do it on September 29th, last Sunday of the month. It sounded good to everybody. Little did I know that uh, a a couple months later, I started looking in on the calendar, and on the Hebrew calendar, it was Rosh Hashanah. Do you all know what that is? Jewish New Year. It was a new beginning, and it was a new beginning for them, and it was a new beginning for, for us. And so don't, don't ever negate, minimize, or ignore prophetic words. That's one of the things I just want to say to you. And again, thank you for the privilege of being here. And uh, I got to be especially honest with you about something that happened this week. This past week, I feel like uh, God's given me and my wife, we feel like we got, he's given us a message to speak to people, particularly in January as we head into this new year. And I want to share with you a couple things that I really feel God's speaking as we head into 2022. But uh, I was praying this past week and said, Lord, I know that this is a word to speak in different locations in January, and I would like to speak it at Cornerstone. I prayed that this past week. And I said, I, pray, I would love to speak at Cornerstone about this subject. And uh, so it was uh, really exciting for me when I got a phone call yesterday afternoon and uh, said, can you speak today? We were down in Dixon, Missouri. Anybody know where Dixon is? way out in the country, and uh, so we drove back three and a half hours, got here, jotted down some notes, and here I am. If you have your Bibles, this is a verse I think is especially important for us as we are now in 2022, and as we keep on going in 2022. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of 1 Timothy, and I want you to read verses 18 and 19 with me. 1 Timothy 1, 18 and 19. I think they may flip it up on the screen here in just a minute. And this is what the Bible says. This is what uh, the, the Bible that I um, was using says. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy. Now listen to this. According to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you wage the good warfare. 
And uh, then it says, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and some have suffered heart uh, shipwreck, et cetera, et cetera. But the part that I want to emphasize to you today is 1 Timothy 1, 18. This charge I commit to you, my son Timothy. Some of your Bible says this. Instead of the charge, it says, this command I give towards you. According to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you would wage the good warfare. How many of you have had some prophetic word given to you and you wonder when in the world is that prophetic word? When am I, wor- am, when am I going to see it accomplished? Any of you thought it was significant that they wanted, that Mitch called uh, Caroline and wanted us to prophesy, wanted to speak and pray over Hunter this morning. Don't give up on the prophetic promises. Turn to somebody and say that. Don't give up on the prophetic promises. It may be personal promises. It may be ones for your family, for your job, for your finances, for the ones for Cornerstone Church. Just because you haven't seen it fulfilled does not mean that it's not relevant, it's not dead, it's there, it's going to be accomplished. You and I have an obligation, and I believe that's the word for, first, uh, for, uh, for uh, 2022, that we contend for the prophetic promises. You go after those prophetic promises. You, the Passion Translation, my wife wanted a new Bible, she wanted a Passion Translation, so one of her gifts this year was the Passion Translation. And this is what the Passion Translation says. It says, use your prophecies as weapons as you wage spiritual warfare by faith and a clean conscience. That's a wonderful passage. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you wage the good warfare where things get tough. When you don't see the answer that you've been praying for, what do you do? You you, you, you take those prophecies and you use them as weapons of spiritual warfare to go against to, to see the spiritual warfare, you, and you use the prophetic words. Use the prophecies as prophetic words. I'm having a little trouble with this this morning. I know it's a word that I'm supposed to speak to you, so I'm going to pray real quick, okay? Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for what you're doing in 2022. And Father, I ask you for a clarity and anointing today to proclaim that to this group of people. I thank you and I pray it in the name of Jesus. This charge I commit to you, it's not something that's arbitrary. It's not something that is a suggestion. It's not an option. He says, this is a charge. This is a command I give to you. And then he says to, oh, son Timothy. This was his son in the faith. We don't know how old he was. Some people say that he was in his late teens. Some t- say that he was in his early 20s. It was a term that was used for people up to 40 years old. But he was a son in the faith. 
And that son in the faith needed some mentoring. He needed some encouragements. He was going to be facing obstacles that he needed to pull out those prophetic words that had already been prophesied to him and, and, and wage warfare, even if he didn't see it. See, some of you in this room, you've had a prophetic words, you had promises, you've been praying for things, you've been contending for things, and some of you are about ready to give up. God has a word for you. You're to take those prophetic words, the words that God's spoken to you, and you're using them as spiritual, as spiritual weapons as you go against, as you come against the hordes of hell that are trying to stop you from accomplishing those things. According to the prophecies made concerning you, don't you wish you knew what the prophecies were that Timothy got? I do. But then at the same time, I think the Bible sometimes is absolutely conspicuously absent and, and, and doesn't fill in the blanks. The reason is we can fill in the blanks. We can contend for those prophetic words. So what in the world is a prophecy? There's a lot of definitions that I could give you pertaining to prophecy. It can be defined as this. It's a divinely inspired and anointed proclamation or a declaration. It's a prophetic word that God gives. It's a message that he gives to one person to give to another person. But there can be other types of prophetic words. There can be prophetic words that as you read the Bible, you know that that's a promise for you. I was reading the Bible one time. I was, uh, I was going through um, uh, a tough time. And what I was doing was I was going to quote verses. I was going to look them up and quote them as I was reading them. And I was going to go to Jeremiah 29.11. I'm going to use that in a little bit. Does anybody know what 29.11 says, Jeremiah? What's it say? For, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you in a future and a hope. And I kept, I knew the verse, but I kept thinking Jeremiah 29.7. And I bet most of you don't know what 29.7 was. See, I was, go, I was a part of a, a ministry and I was going to be, I was going to be sent to a place in Arizona that I did not want to go to. And I felt like it was the ends of the earth. And as I was, and, and when I was going to turn over there, I was going to quote the verse, but I kept thinking 29.7. And listen to 29.7 says, seek the welfare of the city that I've sent you into exile. Do any of you ever feel exiled where you're at? Maybe it's in your job. Maybe it's in whatever the situation. I felt like I was being exiled. He says, seek the welfare of the city that I've sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, you will have welfare. God was speaking a prophetic word to me about seeking the welfare of the city and, and where he's planted us. You have been planted, wherever you're, whatever city you're in, God has divinely planted you there. You're not there just because of a vocation. He has put you in that location because of wanting to see the, the kingdom of God come to that place. So God spoke a prophetic word to me by just using the Bible. Sometimes it can be a dream. I got a prophetic dream when I was supposed to, we were supposed to turn the church over to my son-in-law. But it's a divinely inspired and anointed proclamation, declaration, revelation. That's what it is. Prophecy is for you. Y'all believe that? 
In First Corinthians chapter 14, it says this, to desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you would prophesy. That you would prophesy. I was reading that. I've read that verse hundreds and hundreds of times. And a couple weeks ago, I was reading it again, and the that you popped out to me. And I knew that every one of us has a, a, God wants every one of us to flow in the gifts of the Spirit, and especially that we would prophesy. Here's what prophecy does. It edifies you. It makes you strong. This is what it also says in 1 Corinthians 14. It edifies you. It makes you strong. It exhorts you. It builds you up. And it provides comfort for you. It fills you with a peace, confidence, and faith. Do you have to be a prophet to prophesy? And can a prophecy really change someone's life? No, you don't have to be a prophet to prophesy. Yes, it can change somebody's life. No, you don't have to be a prophet to prophesy. In Acts chapter 21, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. He knows some of the things that's ahead for him, but he's got this divine mandate on him to go to Jerusalem. On the way, he stops at Philip's house. Now, Philip is one of the original seven deacons, and he is the only guy in the Bible who is defined as being an evangelist. And one of the things it says about Philip, and it was apparently it was important enough that it was mentioned in Acts chapter 21. It said it went to Philip's house, and Philip had four virgin daughters, four ladies who, four daughters who were not married, who prophesied. So it was apparently it was um, in a culture where women were second-class citizens. He. These women distinguished themselves because they could speak and they had the word of the Lord. In Acts chapter 9, Paul is on his way. He's Saul at that time. He's on his way to Damascus. And you know the story. A light shows down, shows down from heaven. Uh, he he uh, hears a voice, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, and, and the next verse is, or the next phrase is really interesting. Paul says, Saul at that time, he says, who are you, Lord? How many of you, if you're walking along, you're driving along, all of a sudden a, sh- a light shines down and you hear a voice, you would call that whatever who is speaking to you, you would call them Lord. How many would do that? He knew that they were Lord. And he says, who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. Well, he goes on, he's born again on the way to Damascus. While that's going on, there's a man by the name of Ananias, and all it says about Ananias for his credentials is this, that he was a servant, that he was a follower, that he uh, uh, was a certain disciple. And God gives him a word to speak to Saul, who later on becomes Paul. He goes to Saul. He gives him this word, this prophetic word. He lays hands on him. The scales fall off his eyes. He baptizes him, and then he's baptized with the Holy Spirit. And, the, and he went down as a chief of sinners. He came up as a chief of the apostles. And, and, and so you... All it says about Ananias was that he was a certain disciple. And can prophecy uh, change your life? Absolutely, a prophetic word can change your life. 
In Acts chapter 13, it talks about how a group of people were together. And it says, as they fasted and prayed, the Holy Spirit said this, separate from me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have commissioned them. There was a prophetic word that took place as they came together. And, and God spoke to them. How, we don't know. Was it a tongue interpretation? Was it a prophecy? All we know, it was a prophetic word that came to them. If you read the book of Galatians, it was either 13 or 17 years since Paul had gotten this word of what God wanted him to do, appear before kings for people who are in authority. Now, 13 or 17 years later, there is a release for that prophetic word. I, I want you to know, prophecy is for us. It's for each one of us. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, to wage good warfare according to the prophecies that have previously been made concerning you. We're to wage the good warfare. Look, if we believe that God has a plan and a purpose for our life, if someone speaks a word to us or he, he, God speaks to us and gives us a, a, a prophetic word that's supposed to be a, a compass for the direction we're supposed to be heading, it is ludicrous, it's naive of us to think that the enemy won't oppose it. He will oppose it. And, but anyway, 1 Timothy 1, 18 and following, it's, it says, this charge... This command I give to you, my son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you wage the good warfare. So we're turning into, uh, coming into, as we were coming into 2022, I felt that God spoke that word to me. That there were a lot of us who have had prophetic words those words that God spoke as a compass for the direction we're supposed to go. But we have not been contending for those prophetic promises. If you and I are going to see God's plans and purposes for our lives, we're going to see them accomplished, we are going to have to contend for them. Would you say amen if you agree with that? We're going to have to battle. I remember years ago when this verse was um, implanted in me, uh, the church that I used to pastor and um, uh, was connected with an apostolic network. It was a, a group of churches that just wanted to be together in fellowship, and we had a, a key leader, a guy by the name of Cheon was his name. And uh, our church was connected with him. And now, actually, our ministry, Cook Ministries and, and Children on the Frontline, we're underneath their ministry as well. But uh, I was going out to a conference in, in um, Pasadena. And I was going by myself. And um, I was feeling sorry for myself. Things weren't going the way I really wanted them to go. And I was going out to this conference, but I, we could not, the church couldn't afford to put me in a hotel. I didn't live on the streets or anything during that time, didn't do that. But what I did was, there was a ministry center real close, and uh, they were renting out rooms to people who were part of that. So I was there, rented a room, and was there, and some other friends of mine were there. But I was, the first day of the conference, I was getting, I, was, um, I had my alarm set, 
but you know, we're two hours, they're two hours ahead of us. And so uh, I was, um, woke up early in the morning and I was, quote, praying. A guy named, by the name of Bobby Connor says, yeah, we call it praying, God calls it whining. How many of you have been there? We were whining instead of praying. And so uh, I was kind of doing that praying, whining type of thing and um, laid there for an hour, hour and a half. Then I got up and, and uh, well, pulled my phone up and looked at my phone and it was five o'clock. So it was really early when I was doing this. Got up, took a shower, started to read the word and God spoke a word to me. Contend for the prophetic promises. And he brought this verse into mind. This charge, 1 Timothy 1.18, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies that have been previously made concerning you, that by them you wage the good warfare. And it was, uh, it was life to me. I knew that God was really speaking a word to me. Well, fast forward, forward four and a half, five hours later, I'm at the first meeting of the day. And uh, I got to sit in the second row. The speakers were on the first row. And when I got there, my, a, a, a dear friend of ours, James Gall, was, uh, was on the front row. And he had a piece of paper. And he was jotting things and drawing arrows and highlighting scriptures and doing all this stuff. And so I walked by him and said, you know what, that's what I really like, somebody who is thoroughly prepared. And he laughed, and we both laughed and stuff. Anyway, he gets up to speak 30 minutes later, and this is what he said. Before waking up this morning, I had a series of dreams that confirmed what I'm supposed to speak to you about. I'm supposed to speak to you about contending for the prophetic promises, the exact phrases that I had. And he says, I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. I was literally undone. I was crying. I was weeping. I was on my face. I had to actually buy the CD because I missed the first 10 minutes of his message. I didn't even hear anything. God was emphasizing something. That if you and I are going to see the fulfillment of what God's already spoken to us, his promises are not obtained passively. You and I will have to go after them. You're going to have to contend. You're going to have to fight. You're going to, have to, uh, you're going to have to be those who go after what God's spoken because the enemy does not want you to accomplish what God's spoken for you to be accomplished. And I believe that 1 Timothy 1.18 is a key scripture for um, 2022. What in the world does it mean to contend? Jeremiah 29, I told you about it. 29.11, seek the, uh, seek the well, excuse me. Um, I'm sorry. For I know the plans that I have here, declares the Lord. You know what the verse says before that? Listen to this. This is what First Timothy, uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10 says. Thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good work toward you and cause you to return to this place. And then it goes on, it says, for I know the thoughts that I have or the plans that I have, plans for good, uh, for welfare, not for clam to give, you a, um, to give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah 
was writing to tell them, they were, the, the, what most people were saying, yeah, we're going into exile, but it's only going to last a short period of time. God was speaking through Jeremiah to say, it's going to last 70 years. Plant vineyards, marry, build houses, do all of this stuff because it's going to take some time. But there will be a day that I'll bring you back to the, to, to the promised land. There will be a day when those promises will be fulfilled. Now, over, and, and that, that's wonderful and all that. The book of Daniel in Daniel chapter 9, listen to this. This is, to me, it's important. It's talking about how uh, the year of Darius and all this. And then it says in Daniel 9 two, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the numbers of the year specified, specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Here they were in captivity. And Daniel, they didn't understand the 70-year thing. God had prophesied it. And, and 63 years, Daniel's, this has gone on for almost 63 years. Daniel finally gets an understanding of what that prophetic word was all about. So you know what he did? He began praying and he began fasting and he began seeking the Lord. He was not going to... If that word was going to come about, if they were going to be delivered, Daniel was going to pray, he was going to contend, he was going to fight, he was going to do whatever it took on his watch to see those things take place. And God is speaking to some of you. There are those prophetic words that he has inside of you that have yet to be fulfilled. And he wants to fulfill them in your life. And it's going to take you and I contending and fighting for, waging war warfare against the forces of hell to waging warfare by the prophetic words that God's spoken. I don't, it's like this. I don't care what the situation is. I don't care what the obstacles are. Whatever it is doesn't matter because God has spoken to me and I choose to believe the word of the Lord and I'm going to fight. I'm going to press. I'm going to push until I see those things accomplished. Any of you remember the Sermon on the Mount? Matthew chapter 7. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened for you. The word for that doesn't mean just a gentle little knock. You knock, and you pound, and you keep on knocking on that door, and keep on contending until you see that door opened up. It takes us being aggressive. So many things that I could tell you about those things. I've got one other verse that I, or one other phrase that I want to talk to you about, because I believe this, one, I believe we need to contend for the prophetic promises, but a second thing I want you to know is that 2022, for every one of you, it is a year of open doors. Would you all agree, or would you say, yeah, yes, Lord, open doors, my wife and I, we do um, a, uh, every, every Sunday morning, we do a, a Facebook post, and it's only like 10 to 12, 13 minutes long, something like that. 
And I was talking about these things, about contending for the prophetic promises and stuff like that. And it hit me. Wait a minute. I was preparing for it, and it hit me. Well, there's going to be some people here who maybe don't even have a prophetic promise. And I prayed a prayer. It was just a simple prayer. I said, Lord, what prophetic word can I give to them so they can, they can wage warfare according to that prophetic word? And he spoke a word to me. 2022 is a year of open doors. So I proclaimed that and things like that. A day or two later, I was looking at some emails, and there were some emails I hadn't opened. And you know the guy that spoke the same word uh, uh, pertaining to contending for the prom- prophetic promises, James Gall? He had, he had sent an email to me, and it was just some things he was sensing for 2022. And you know at the very top of it what it said? 2022 is a year of open doors. And then I found out that the prophetic voices were getting some of the exact same thing. That 2022 is a year of open doors. Here's what I believe. If you and I will will wage warfare... If we we will go after, we'll grab hold of those prophetic promises. If we'll go after them and contend for them and and pray for them and, 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 and fight against the enemy with those prophetic words, there will be doors that will open for you and I. Previously, they were impenetrable. We couldn't get in there. But if we'll contend, they even had a verse for it. Isaiah 22, 22. Do any of you know what that says? I decided to bring this today. It's a nice size key. I showed it to Mitch before. He said, is that the key to the city? I said, no. I was speaking at a place, and uh, some guy watched it online. And um, a couple days later, a week later, I got these Two keys. It, had, it used to have a silver one. It gave it away. But it's an Isaiah 22, 22 key. Isaiah 22, 22 says that he'll take the key of David and place it on his shoulder. And then you will close a door and no one will open it. And you'll open a door and no one will close it. Excuse me, open it. Close a door, nobody can open it. Close, open a door, and nobody can shut it. It's a f- key of faith. This is a, it says Isaiah twenty two twenty two on this key. And it says, what he shuts, no one will open. And what he opens, no one can shut. I believe this 2022 is a, absolutely is a year of open doors. Open doors. You, you, you know God's spoken to you, and you're supposed to get on the other side of that door, and it just doesn't seem like that thing will ever open. Well, 2022, you open up. You take your key of faith because this is a year of open doors, and you insert it into that thing. You keep on knocking on that thing. You keep on pounding on that thing, and that door will open up. You know one of the things I noticed about Isaiah 22, 22? It says, you'll close the door, nobody will open. You'll open the door, nobody will close it. Sometimes in our lives, we want to open the door for what's ahead before we want to close that door. 
Does that sound familiar to anybody? Are you all with me? Do you understand that? I uh, turned the church that I pastored over to my son-in-law, and I had a job. I got a job after that. Didn't do anything first and thought, man, this isn't going to work. And uh, then I got a job and had it for about nine, ten months, something like that. And Carol and I were talking. I said, you know what? That door, that, that, that job, I'm thankful for it, but it's coming to an end. And so you know what we did? I gave my, uh, my two weeks notice for the old job before I even got the new one you had to close I had to close the door before a new one would open does that make sense to you all listen to me contend for the prophetic promises what words has God spoken to you that you know these are on the heart of God maybe you haven't seen them doesn't mean they're not relevant it doesn't mean that you do misheard or anything like that you keep on pressing and you keep on pushing and you contend for those prophetic promises and I have one promise for you that if you'll do that 2022 is a year of open doors for you and I I believe 2022 is a year of open doors for Cornerstone Church Let me give you some things real quick. Here's some things that you're going to have, you and I are going to have to do as we contend. Number one, you're going to have to believe. That verse in 1 Timothy, it says this, contending, that according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you waged a good warfare. And it says this, with faith and a good conscience. Faith is always absolutely essential. When God speaks, speaks something, we've got to have faith that he's going to do it. Well, Hebrews 11 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. We can't please him. It, the Bible says in, in Matthew that if, if we have faith, all things are possible. As Kevin testified this morning, all things are possible to him who believes. Number two, you got to declare it. And I want you to do one thing. Declare with me. 2022 is a year of open doors. Declare that with me. Speak that out. Say it right now. 2022 is a year of open doors. I believe that. I believe what we say is so important. And sometimes we don't get to where God wants us to because of the things that we are saying. Some people say, well, you believe in that confession thing? Absolutely, I believe in the confession thing. Here's one of the reasons why. Confession, what you say is one half of the equation that got you into a relationship with Jesus in the first place. You believe in your heart, God's raised him, that's faith. And you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord. Declaration is so important, what you say. Oh, I wish I had time to go through all these. Uh, see it. You believe it. You declare it. You see it. Ask God to give you a picture of what you're going after. In Ephesians chapter 1, there's this one uh, guy I, I see now. Um, I got to lead him to the Lord, and the next week I was seeing him. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I felt like he, the Lord spoke to me. 
Lead him into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I led him into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Went to see him. Uh, I worked for a healthcare uh, group. And, and then uh, the next time, one of the next times I was going there, I, 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 felt, uh, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do this time for him? He said, pray for his spiritual eyes to be open. In Ephesians chapter 1, let me read these verses really quick to you. It says this, I do not cease to give thanks for you. This is 16, for Ephesians 1, 16. Making mention of you in my prayers that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, Father of glory, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. The next phrase says that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Most of your Bibles will say the eyes of your understanding. But I know what the Greek word says, that the eyes of your cardia, the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. He would... You have, spirit, you have physical eyes, but you also have spiritual eyes. And he wants to open up. He wants to show you pictures of what he has in store for you. Amen. Last thing I'm going to say is this. We've got to sow. We got to sow. You, you believe, you declare, you see, you sow. Some people think that uh, what I give isn't that really important. Turn to Acts 10 sometime and read Acts chapter 10. It's in a story of Cornelius. And an angel comes to him and says this, Cornelius, your prayers and your alms have come up as a memorial before God. He got a divine visitation telling him where he needed to go, who he needed to see, and they would come with the gospel. His salvation it came about because of his prayers and his alms, his generous deeds, his extravagant giving. One of the things my wife and I learned, if we want something, we sow into that. You want healing? I sow into ministries that have healing. I'll give when there's a healing service, those type of things. If you want to see a... a, a if you want to see a, a relative who is lost, you want to see them saved, sow into. I sow, we sow into purposely. Uh, we'll sow into evangelistic ministries, whether it's the Billy Graham Association, Franklin Graham, or whoever it is. We'll sow into those things. I believe those are absolutely true for us. We've got to believe. What were the four I gave you? Believe. Declare. See and sow. Those are absolutely declare, absolutely um, essential for 2022. This is a year you can contend for you to, and I to contend. This is a year that God will open doors. Why don't you stand up and I'm going to pray over you. If um, you felt like that word was in any way something that um, spoke to you, I want you just to raise your hand because I'm going to pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you for contenders. I ask you to stir up things in each one of them, Father, that they would contend for every prophetic promise that's been given to them. And Father, I pray for 2022 for every one of us that this would be the year of open doors. Doors that previously were closed would not open, that you would open them. 
divinely will contend, but then you divinely open. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hey, God bless you. Thank you for allowing me to be here this morning. I bless Sean and Lisa, Pastor Sean and Lisa there in uh, California. I pray for a rich deposit, and I pray, Father, that uh, you'd minister profoundly and powerfully to them in Jesus' name.